Welcome to Freedon Business. He grew up in South Florida, has been in business here since the early 90s, and has closed over $3 billion in deals. He's seen it all. He always has an opinion, and he's always ready to share it. Informed, entertaining, and connected, he has his finger on the pulse of South Florida's business community. He's Jim Freed, and this is Freedom Business. We've got another great show for you today. I'm joined by my uh, partner in the capital markets business, Jim McCarthy. Today, we're going to be talking about how to select the right private lender, debt fund, hard money lender, because we all get these these emails. They've proliferated. It used to only be one or two. Now there's dozens and uh, each has its own personality. We'll talk about how to pick out the appropriate uh, capital partner for your transaction. But before we get started, I wanted to thank my partners in the podcast for the last 12 plus years, Warren Henry Automotive. I want to thank Larry, Eric, uh, Ismet, and Warren. I want to tell Ismet we'll be coming by to get our new uh, QX70 uh, within the next couple of days. I wanted to thank him for helping us out with that. Vivian loves her car. She's going to get it again. Uh, my mom is going to be getting her car again. It's going to be tremendous. So Warren Henry, another cycle uh, with them, always the best price, always the best service, always Warren Henry, and make sure to check out their brand new Land Rover Range Rover store out in Weston. And now, without further ado, my partner, Jim Mack, Jim McCarthy. Where's Jim? There he is. Hey, Jim, how are right, you doing? Good afternoon. Okay, how are you? I'm doing great. So, you know, we get these calls, we get these emails, we know a lot of them, the debt funds, the uh, pref equity funds, the hard money lenders, and the private lenders. I kind of like yep. to refer to them all as private lenders and then parse them uh, into the different sectors. But what I found is that the private lender and the hard money lender are either usually high net worth individuals or individuals that are with family offices, air quotes on family offices. Right. The debt funds are usually people that have uh, left their prior orientation in the capital markets and have now got a book that's big enough and a bank account that's big enough that they can play the APs B piece approach. And um, I guess that the uh, private lenders kind of, they're, they're kind of in the middle. You know, what are you seeing yeah. out there in the marketplace today, Jim? Let's just start with interest rates. What were interest rates on an actual basis if somebody wanted to do uh, the different types of transactions? Well, interest rates are starting to trend down a little, but they're sticky. Uh, even if the Fed cuts rates, you know, people want to try to keep up, up as high as they can. I'm seeing construction loans. I got a, uh, spoke to a hedge fund lender last week. They quoted and are closing on a construction loan at 12% interest plus two points, 70% loan to cost. I also know another group that will do it at about 875 for 70% loan to cost. So it's kind of all over the place at the moment. Uh, I'd say probably a point lower than it was in the past, but still a point too high. In the recent past, it's still higher than it was a few years past. ago. So it's yeah. still difficult for these transactions to pencil out. Um, yep. You know, I've been working uh, more and more with the local private lender markets. I'll even call them the hard money. And, and you know, hard money to me seems like a misconception. Hard money means it's difficult to get. That's all it really means. And so... Yeah, well, yeah. In the old days, you had a choice between institutional money or hard money. Now, with every family office becoming a bridge lender or a value-add lender, there's a you know, huge merger of the two. And uh, you know, hard money is not so hard unless you need it in a week or two. 
Well, but if you do need it in a week or two, usually you're talking about a private source that's got documents that are already existing that doesn't really need an appraisal. It'll go full bore guarantee, full full boat guarantee on you, but might do a little bit lower loan to value to be able to get you where you're going. Um, I, I've actually seen some of these private bridge lenders go up to 80% of cost when they know they've got incredible value in the land and they've done multiple deals with the, with the client. Yep. I've seen the both extremes. I saw one quote a couple of weeks ago for a 60% loan to value on a cash flowing property at 12%, but it would close in a week, no appraisal, no guarantees. And I've seen, as you said, 80% where people really did doing pref equity or pref equity levels because they know the values are down because cap rates are up. So they're really in the equities level at that point and they're charging accordingly. And it really is the equity level. I know that that uh, at least in today's market, the way that I would stratify the, cap, the stratify the capital stack would be 50, 52 percent uh, senior bank A piece lender. Uh, after that, maybe to 70, 72 percent the B piece lender, and then above that, equity. What do you think about that? I think that's about right. Uh, even the guys who were doing 75, 80 before have now cut back to about 70. The markets either become more conservative or it's disguised equity. So, yep, it's uh, much lower LTVs. And remember, the LTVs are based upon today's appraisals, which themselves are lower. So, you know, it, it may be 70% of today's appraised value, which is really 60% of last year's appraised value. Well, that's sort of what we're coming up with now uh, up against with the apartment world. I was with a family office yesterday. They invested in about seven of these new build um, suburban, you know, not really the high high uh, high rise sticks, but more the sticks and bricks out in the, in the suburbs. And they're getting hammered because they went and they decided that uh, they were going to bring in secondary financing to pull some cash out during lease up. Lo and behold, now their leverage point is extraordinarily high and their debt is at like 9% and they just can't get out. Yep. Well, they ran into two problems. They forgot the leverage works both ways. And if you've got a very low cap, a little bit of increase in rent is a big increase in value, but it also means a little change in the cap rate is a huge decrease in value. If you would go from a four cap to a five cap, you've down to you've wiped out 20 plus percent of the value of the property. So you've just wiped out your entire equity stack and probably your preferred equity as well. So that's not good. Now, this creates what I call the cash in refinance requirement. Yeah. There's people out there that are raising debt funds to, to monetize this particular opportunity. Now, what are those debt funds looking to do? Well, and what kind of yield are they looking at? Because I've seen some of these pieces of paper that are theoretically up for sale, maybe it's a B piece, yielding in the 13 to 15% range. Is that enough to attract the capital? Probably not. The uh, As I said, a lot of the pref equity deals are really just disguised equity. So you're going to the person saying your building is really not, you know, we'll agree your building is worth $100, we'll give you up to 90% when the reality is we all know the building's worth $90 and we're giving you a hope note. So the coupon has to be high enough to make it really an equity type return. If it's a recap, like you said, buying a, a, a note or something, 
the rule of thumb I've seen is people just walk in the door and say, I want 70% on the dollars. I'll, I'll give you a 30, I want a 30% discount walking in the door. Then you negotiate from there, uh, which is, you know, you're looking at a 17, 18 coupon, but then you're going to leverage that up with an A piece. So these investors are really looking for a 25% type return. And that really isn't available because I don't really think that many people have said uncle. We've seen a couple of the banks down here sell their apartment loan portfolio at a discount, but not what I would say a significant discount. I think that's because there's so much demand for that kind of product that they're able to bid it out into the marketplace. Well, there's also demand, but also the Fed is not forcing. Uh, plus, remember, the Fed doesn't control the private equity investors. So you get a large hedge fund made a bunch of loans. They're now underwater. Well, there's nobody there telling them they've got to sell it. It's not like where the Feds come in and say, you got to clean up your books. So, you know, we were involved in a situation recently where it was a large private fund. And they simply said, we won't sell it unless we get a certain price, which price made no sense to a paper buyer, except for another institution who was like, gee, it's more than I'm making on my paper now. So I'll buy it and I'll get a little juice, but it's not the juice that a private equity, uh, you know, a private fund buying defaulted notes would go for. Now I want to talk a little bit about what I'm, you know, been working on here in South Florida to some degree, which is the high-end, uh, super luxury uh, condo, uh, park, rather, uh, super lux home development. We're able to now put out money in the, you know, half a million to 10 to $20 million range. And we're doing that with private funds. Uh, typically, it'll be a syndication with three or four high net worth individuals, always, though we do work with a couple of families. So those go off with, a, you know, 12 to 13, 14%. But again, that's cheap equity when you're looking at what we're trying to do. And, and that's, that's the luxury and super luxury home market, which is one of the last white hot markets down here. Uh, that still continues to be relatively strong, even though there's not a lot of supply in the category uh, left. Um, I'm also starting to see people looking to buy uh, smaller commercial properties that had some problems. But again, the lenders are spread out on that. And a lot of times it's one of these smaller debt funds and you really can't get to them. Yeah. One of the issues going on is that there's so much money. First, you know, they're competitive uh, on things they want. If they, if they want the deal, they'll fight for it. The other is they, they want big checks. I know mean, funds who used to be, will do a million dollars and up, and that became five, then 10, then 20. Uh, one of them is now saying they don't want to check, write a check for less than $50 million. Well, there aren't that many $50 million deals floating around that make sense. And if you've got 20 of these funds chasing those two deals, they're going to you know, bid the pricing. You know, it's interesting because there is an increasing demand there is capital in the marketplace, but it hasn't really necessarily met with uh, the development people. Now, that said, I'm working with a group of people that are doing triple net transactions. They're looking to get early equity investing, and that's, <clears throat> and that's actually available, again, only from a family office. And in this case, the family office uh, knows the developer and has a relationship with the developer for a long time. You know, talking about hard money, it's almost impossible to get a good construction loan. I have a friend that's been a uh, family office up in central Florida that's been trying to get a 300 unit construction loan 
in a in a range that makes their numbers work and they have a billion dollars worth of signatures individuals and they're still not able to get the financing to the point where it makes sense it's extremely frustrating um you know what does your crystal ball show about what's going to happen in the next few months because the fed has basically put a damper on everybody's party they said that the rates would go down now we've seen that the market is still white hot so rates are staying static and so to me it just means nobody can really do anything yeah but it is getting to the point where people can't keep kicking the can forward especially on construction uh, one of the funds i deal with just set up a new program to take out construction loans uh, you know, they're about 875 interest rate, which isn't, you know, tremendously horrible unless you were building on a 6% return. And, you know, the alternative, though, of course, is your, yeah. So, but the alternative is you default on your construction loan and you got to go into foreclosure default and you tenants don't want to move into a building that's doing that. But you've know, got a building that's 80 or 90% completed. So you take the, you know, the eight and 75 money and you sit on it for a year, lease it up and go out and get regular financing. I think that's going to be the play for the next couple of months. And that plus, as we were saying, the, the pref equity of we'll, we'll, we'll come in as measure pref equity and pretend it's not really equity, but charge you like it is. You know, it's fascinating. And I don't know that it's happening in many places other than South Florida. The condo market just keeps going great guns. If you can find a piece of dirt and pre-sell your units, there's financing available, but it's really only going on in the super luxe sector um, or in these, you know, affordable and workforce sector. For people in mid-range, it's almost impossible to find a place to live and to find a project that's targeting them for new condos. I think that the only thing that's targeting the, I'll call it the 800 to a million one range is um, townhomes and zero lot line homes and areas of uh, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County where people were reluctant to live in the past. Today, with the fact that they can do off-peak commutes or not even go to the office three days, uh, but three days a week, I think it's became, becoming more palatable. Um, but I'm really not sure how that's all going to roll out in the long term with the push to get people back in the office. And, you know, I can see that if you work collaboratively, you do need to be in touch with each other on a personal basis in the office at least two, three times a week. I got to believe because I see it happening now. Yeah. Uh, who's, I forget. Was, I think it was Deutscher or somebody just uh, told all their employees they have to start coming into the office because they're paying for all that office space that nobody's using, which is kind of a backwards way of doing it. But you, you got the problem. People can't afford to live near the offices. Here in New York, the vacancy rate for what they define as affordable housing is like something like one and a half percent. The overall vacancy rate is three point something percent. So, you know, you, you, let's put it this way: a neighbor is negotiating to move. He's pleasantly paying twenty thousand dollars a month in rent, and he's negotiating on another apartment where they asked forty thousand dollars a month. He offered them thirty. He'll settle for thirty-five. Now he can afford to go live there and go down to the office building. You know, most office workers can't afford to pay those rents. Uh, they can't come in from three-hour trips each way to go to an office. So yeah, I don't see a solution for the office buildings. The people who would fill them aren't here, which is actually we've seen, remember, in Miami, uh, where the office buildings being built are the high-end luxury offices, 
where my friend might maintain a small office and go into it, but it's not going to be the big floor with all the admin people and back office people. Uh, that day is gone. No, admin and so, back office have to be in the in the hinterlands in suburban space and surface park, and they probably still, um, you know, do office hoteling, and 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 it's probably fully occupied all the time, just with different people. Yeah. But you get the problem like in Florida where the you're running out of hinterland. It's uh you know, there is no hinterland what, anymore. Right, yeah. You'll have people living in Alabama as the back office operations. Well, so. I think that they're living in the Philippines or in India for the back office operation. But let's get back That's on topic more for a more. second. Let's on get top. back on topic okay. for a second. So today, if somebody was looking for um, you know, a private loan, it was institutional in nature, they'd be looking at 70%, they'd be looking at 10 or 11% interest rate. They'd be looking at personal guarantees. Um, if they're looking for a hard money loan, it may be uh, 11 to 14% at 50% with a couple of points in and a couple of points out. Um, you know, where are you seeing, is there anything like in the middle that's out there right now? Maybe from a, from, from banks, non, you know, you know, uh, non-traditional banks? Uh, I think we could get down under nine in the right situation uh, as a cost of funds. To go below that, it's really more of a relationship. If you're a big national, or big regional developer who's got a long-term relationship with the bank, you're going to get a better deal. If you're a big developer or operator who can put a lot of deposits at a bank, you're going to get a better deal because the banks want the very interested in deposits, still trade interest rate for deposits. But if you're just a local guy who's used to going to the bank and borrowing money, you know, you're doomed. Well, the reason that they want all that, those, those deposits is because they want to, you know, shore up their tier one capital for when they have to write down some of the loans that they've done. Yep. Um, and by the way, if you're getting a 50% loan and they're asking you to get to, to hold 10% of that in deposits, it's really a 40% loan even if you have a little bit of arbitrage going there. So people are really not yep. getting the quotes that, that, that are apparent. Um, you know, it's time for the last word on this, Jim. Where do you think um, underwriting and the real estate debt and equity markets are going to be going in the next, yeah, I don't think we can predict more than three or four months out at this point. I think interest rates will float down a little bit. Volume will pick up a little bit, but nothing exceptional. Uh, it's pe people have to bite the bullet and they're going to resist that until they're absolutely dragged to the table. Uh, I don't see the pressure at the moment for that. It's, it's building. But uh, yeah. next couple of months, probably very similar to the last couple of months. A lot of nothing. Um, a lot of kicking the tires. You know, I really do appreciate you joining us today. I want to remind everybody that uh, Jim and I work on capital markets transactions together. Uh, as the founder of Sandstone Realty Advisors, I work with a lot of family office to bring them both transaction opportunities. Jim and I were on a call earlier today with a big family office talking about investing in uh, the token business. And, um, you know, I talked to a lot of the families, a lot of family offices, a lot of the institutions. And when I leave here, I'll be uh, having lunch with one of the big uh, with, with one of the heads of real estate for the state of Florida for one of the big multinational banks. So we can get it done. We know the people. They pick up the phone for us. 
We help people solve their problems with the right real estate capital. And it's different every time. I tease this by saying, how do you pick the right private lender? And it's by relationship and by understanding what the, uh, what the products are that they offer. So it's not really um, easy as saying this is the terms. It's really getting them on the phone because even some of these uh, hard money lenders simply broker the deal out the back door and don't even really tell the person that that's what they're doing. So reach out to me, call me, DM me. Whenever you do, it's always all about me. I want to again remind everybody that our sponsors for the past uh, decade and a half basically have been our friends at Warren Henry, uh, Larry Ismet, Warren. I want to thank everybody. I'll be calling Ismet later today to get him to deliver my wife's car. You don't even have to go to the place anymore to buy a car, they just deliver it to you. Um, so they're tremendous. Uh, join me, my wife, my mom, all my friends, lots and lots of my friends. We're all members of the Warren Henry family. You should be too. They've got stores up in Gainesville, down in South Dade, an award-winning uh, Land Rover Range Rover store, their new Land Rover Range Rover store out in West Broward. And of course, uh, in Gainesville, they sell Audis and 151st and Biscayne. Well, that's where a lot of their nameplates are. Land Rover, Range Rover, Infinity, Jaguar, Lincoln. They're all right there at 151st and Biscayne. Uh, so, uh, remember, join me at Warren Henry Automotive. Always the best price, always the best service, always Warren Henry. Um, I want to remind everybody that we drop our new podcast every Wednesday at noon. Um, I want to thank Jim McCarthy for joining us today and talking about the real estate capital markets. It's something I get calls on every single day, multiple times. Reach out to me, DM me. Remember, my personal brand is that I feel great whenever I help people solve their problems. I do that by... Uh, like I said, solving their problems and bringing them peace of mind. So reach out to me, DM me, give me a call and look out for our new podcast to drop next Wednesday at noon. Why? Because I just love doing this. And remember, the person that wants to do something finds a way, the other finds an excuse. Now go out there and make it happen. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.